Let, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're, we're, we're standing this morning in your presence, just honoring your presence and blessing your name. Hallelujah. And we just ask that you will move in this place. You know every need. You know every situation. You know every prayer that's been sent up. And I pray ah, that today would be a prayer-answering Sunday because you're a prayer-answering God, because you're a covenant-keeping God. Hallelujah. And we just love you and praise you and anoint me today that I might be able to preach and not be so messed up. Well, thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And all the house says, Amen. Give God a praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. It's good to see all our guests with us today. And uh, I just want to warn you, we can be strange. So we just, we just whatever God wants to do, we're, we're good with that. Hallelujah. Digging the wells of revival. During Noah's flood, we always think it just rained for 40 days and it flooded. But actually, most of the water, most of the water came from the deep. Most of the flood water was underground waters that because of earthquakes and whatever else was happening to the planet, these things began to break and water from underground shot up. They say today, that there is more water underground than above ground. All the oceans. More water underground than above ground. And by the way, if you're one of those that believes in evolution and the planet just evolved, and my question is, where did all that water come from? They actually think meteorites hit the earth and had ice crystals on them. That's a lot of meteorites. That's just a stupid theory. It takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does that God created the planet. Come on now. So the deep exploded. So we talk about the heavens opened, but I'm here to share something with you that in the past there have been mighty moves of God, and they, they were like wells driven into the ground. But over time, these wells got clogged up. Over time, these wells have been forgotten. Over time, we just, you know, we just go from generation to generation. And if we don't connect generations, the new generation forgets that the old generation has dug wells for us. And if we'll just redig those and unclog those wells, we'll have a, we'll have a spring of water that flows continuously. I asked our, uh, church scribe Donna and Donna's going to have to get a whole crew of people to start if you're if you're interested in writing ministry you need to see Donna and start working with her I said Donna go to the pastors of the old churches downtown and get into their histories I want to know what God did in the late 1700s early 1800s because of God because whatever wells were dug then those wells are still in Mansfield and it's about time one of these churches and it might as well be us figure out the old wells because God established blessing over this area when it was first founded and I want to find those wells <laughs> You say what does it look like preacher I don't know don't really care whatever it is we're going to reconnect to our past 
reconnect to spiritual fathers, as it were, even those that have gone on. Hmm. So number one, we need a vision of what is right under our feet. Genesis 21, so Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and water and put it on his shoulder, and he gave it, and he gave it and the boy uh, to Hagar. Remember Hagar? And uh, the other wife was jealous, and she said, get that woman out of here. <laughs> so Hagar's got to go, and she's got a boy. But Abraham, you know, his heart was for that boy yet, but he had to send her away. Look at, the, look at the prophetic implication here. He rose early in the morning, and he gave them bread and water and sent them away. But watch this. Um, <clears throat> then, wait a minute, then she departed and wandered in the wilderness. There we are. Of Beersheba. Oh, I, I wish I, I need to do a whole sermon just on it. And the water in the skin was used up. Say, used up. And she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Listen, we're, we need to get to the place where we're not living on other people's blessings. I think we're at a place where th- those things are getting dried up. That the, listen, the signs of the times, the day we're living in, is so difficult and so pressure and so much so much crisis that we can't live off other people's packaged blessings we need to learn how to connect and get it get what we need from the lord so hagar went and sat down across from him at a distance about a bow shot listen hagar represents this the older generation of the church and the boy ishmael represents that new generation, and Jesus and and the older generation is saying here, I don't have anything left for you. And I'm afraid the church world today is getting old. And there's nothing wrong with being old, but we have got to find a way to pass that on so the next generation can live. So the child just gets pushed aside and says, "I, I can't. Listen, we have a heart for that generation. We just don't know how to feed that generation. Am I connecting? So she said, I, 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 the child is going to die. The generation, this, this millennial generation is literally dying. The percentage of millennials in church is staggeringly low, staggeringly low. It's down like 10%. And our heart breaks. We can't bear to see the child die. But it's going to take more than a broken heart. So she puts him at a bow shot, and uh, oh, and and uh, and arrows and bows are type of the word of God. She, she put him within shot of the word. Well, this is this is too deep for y'all. I got one hand clap, and that's it. She said to herself, "Let me not see the death of the generation." So she sat opposite him. But listen, listen, listen. She lifted her voice and cried out to God. When's the last time you wept for anybody? And God heard the voice of the lad. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. (laughs) She's weeping and crying, but God heard the voice of the child. Both generations are praying, they don't, but they're not connected. They're away from me. Both, both, listen, they may not be in church, but there's a hunger in this generation for the things of God. They just don't know where to go or what to do or how to get there. They're praying. We're praying. But God's going to hear our prayers. Oh, somebody help me. Then the angel of God called to the older generation out of heaven and said to her, What ails you? Come on, over 50. 
What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the younger generation. And God knows where he is. Oh, my God. I might as well just preach this. The rest of the sermon I'm not going to get to. Arise. Lift up the lad. I don't need to preach this. Lift up the lad and hold him with your hands, for I will make him a great nation. Oh, God. I, then, then this is, and I was getting all that was to get here. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. It was the, the power we need. I'm the well we need, the blessing we need, the answer we need, the power we need, the glory we need, the presence we need. Just open your eyes. Uh, it's right there. A well. Say a well. A well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. Oh, reminds me of Jesus sitting on the well. Giving to the woman at the well. Oh, how so, so God was with the lad, with the next generation, and he grew, hallelujah, and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. <laughs> that generation uh, is, the, is the John the Baptist generation. Let me, let me tell you, they're going to be uh, locust, wild honey, and, uh, and, and camel skin generation. Yeah, they're going to be rough, and we're going to love them. But they're archers. They're going to be experts in the Word. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can't live on long, very long, on bottled blessings. It's time for us to get to where God wants us to go. Our problem here is like Jeremiah chapter 2. For my people have committed two evils. Watch this. Number one, they have forsaken me. The fountain, say fountain of living waters, and hewn or cut out for themselves cisterns. We have abandoned the well, and now we're counting on cisterns. A well is an artesian source of water that as long as it's not blocked, will just keep running because there's an infinite supply of water there. A cistern is something we carve out to catch rainwater. And some of us are just living on past revivals. But the problem with cistern water is in the cistern water, you know, they catch water off the dirty roof or running off the ground or whatever it was that you caught the water in. I mean, water is water, but some water is a little murky. And I'm afraid a lot of water, a lot of churches, are, they're drinking water that's contaminated. It's keeping them alive but making them sick. You're going to have to get this tape and hear it three times. They have hewn for themselves cisterns. Wow. And, and Jeremiah calls them cracked cisterns. Some of us are cracked pots. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. Oh, my God. Then he says, is Israel a servant? Are, are we slaves again? Is he a home-born slave? What's the difference between a slave and a home-born slave? A first-generation slave knows what it is to have freedom. But a home-born slave was born into it and never tasted freedom. The church has tasted freedom. We have tasted the move of the Holy Spirit. We know what it is to have revival. Come on, old people. 
We know what it is to have a move of God. We know what it is to enjoy His presence and power. Come on. And we may not be there yet, and we're just hungry for more. But there is a generation that was born into that and doesn't know what it is to experience the move of the Holy Ghost. It's time, church. Hallelujah. I'm not a home-born slave. I I, I mean, if if I'm in any slavery, uh, you know, my God, I'm getting out of it. Because I remember what it is to be free. Come on, give God a praise. The church is being plundered. I have too much to say and not enough time to say it. Number two, we, we have to clean out the old wells. Clean out the old wells. Genesis 26, 17, 18. Again, this is another whole sermon here. But then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and he dwelt there, right? And, and Isaac dug again, said, dug again dug again or redug the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. By the way, some of these wells, like Jacob's well in the New Testament, was 75 feet deep. And they said at one time it was 150 feet deep. And they didn't have drills. That's all by hand. So why, why should we go out and dig new wells when there's old wells? Oh, help me in this place. So they dug again the wells his daddy dug. We need to find out some of those wells, some of these people that, we're, that we brought up here that prayed for us. We need, we, need to find, we need to find some of those old wells. And it doesn't mean we go back to old methods. It doesn't mean that we're going to you know, look like the old church. I'm not saying that. But, we, but the same spirit. My God. For the Philistines, the devil had stopped them up. After the death of Abraham, Uh he called them by the names which his father had called them. That's why, Donna, we need to find those wells, and we're going to name them. But number three, there will be opposition. Everyone say, duh. The Philistines contended. I think there's some scripture. Yeah, verse 19. Also, Isaac's uh, servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. Uh But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. Mm -hmm. So he called the name of the well Essek because they quarreled with him. The The word Essek means to quarrel or to fight. We're not getting the wells because we're fighting each other. Maybe not here, but you understand what I'm saying? Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna. Okay? So, and he moved from there and dug another well, and they did, and they did not quarrel over it. Oh, there's a place where people don't fight. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> I, I'm glad we're in a church where people, people get along. Anybody, anybody okay with that? Amen. I mean, it's wonderful, it's wonderful, it's wonderful. They did not quarrel over it, so he called its name Rehoboth. Anybody know about that name? Rehoboth, because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us. Rehoboth means God made room for us. When you stop fussing, God will make room for you. Oh, my God, my God. For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. So, so we need... We need to clean out the things that the world dumped in our old wells, things that the wind blew in, dirt and dust. And, 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 and a lot of times what you find in old wells are snakes. How long can we preach there? Snakes in the, oh, snakes love old abandoned wells. 
the devil loves to dwell where God's people used to be blessed. And it's time to get them out of our wells and clear out the trash and clear out the rubbish. Amen. I, I like this in Nehemiah. It says, uh, and all of them conspired together. Remember, he's, he's rebuilding the wells to come and attack Jerusalem and create. The enemy wants to create confusion. Oh, I need to tell you something. There really is a lying spirit trying to get to some people's heads in this place. I don't know what your situation is, but be careful. The thing about lying spirits and deceiving spirits, you never know you're deceived because you're deceived. No one says, oh, I'm deceived. It's, uh, you don't know that you're being lied to. Now, the trouble with lying spirits, uh, you don't know that you're being lied to. You, you don't know you're being deceived. Listen, we've got to get, get the enemy out of our head. And you know what? When, it, when I get like that, whenever, whenever, whenever I start getting focused on me and what I got to have and I've been hurt and I'm upset, whenever I get to that place, that's probably a lying spirit because the, because the Lord doesn't get you focused on yourself to solve your problems. And whenever you feel like, I've got to solve this problem, I've got to take charge of this, you're probably being deceived because it's not about you. Nobody gets offended when their only concern is other people. (laughs) Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Hallelujah. Prayer meeting, Monday night. Prayer meeting, Tuesday night. Going deep on Wednesday night. Prayer meeting, Saturday night. A lot of prayers on Sunday. Amen. We need to set a watch against the... Is there another verse? Then Judah said, the praiser said, the strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. There's too much clutter, too much junk, too much stuff from the world. It's just cluttering the church, and we don't, we're not able to get the wells back. Therefore, say therefore. Therefore, I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. We need some men at the openings where the snakes get in. And I set the people according to their families. It's time for family ministry, men. It starts at home with their swords and their spears and their bows. Oh, somebody help me preach this. One more verse. And I looked and arose and said of the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. And fight. This American church that just comes, sits in their comfort, and just wants to be entertained, those days are over. I have a word for you. Fight. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives. Fight for your houses. Ah, come on, church. I am so messed up. I don't. Can I just forward you the outline? Here's what we got to do. We got to dig the old wells so we can reconnect the family of God. Malachi 4, 5, and 6, the last two verses of the Old Testament, and then God did not say another word for 400 years. 
Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He did it once before when Jesus came the first time, and he's going to do it again the second time. And he will turn, say turn, the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And if that doesn't happen, I'm going to strike the earth with a curse. And we are under, we are under a fatherless curse today, especially in America. Look at this scripture in 1 Kings. You remember when they destroyed Jericho? God said, don't you ever rebuild that city. And if anyone tries to rebuild that city, there, listen, there are some things we, we don't need to rebuild. And the world just keeps trying to build their Babel, their towers of Babel. Uh, look at this. So this guy rebuilds Jericho. What, look, look what happened. In his days, Hael of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segub, he set up its gates. His firstborn died when he set up the foundation, and his lastborn died when he finished it. It might be child sacrifice. We are losing our babies for the comfort of this generation, trying to rebuild a city that should never be rebuilt, trying to build things with man's power that perhaps should never be built. And we're sacrificing our families. We're sacrificing. Is this too much? I mean, I, I, could preach, I could preach a tickler if that's what you want. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Jesus, help us. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I've got the strength to finish. Matthew 3, 7. Let me try. But when Jesus saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, Coming to his baptism, he said to the brood of vipers, he's talking to church people, church leaders, actually, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Reconnecting fathers to sons. And let me tell you something, if the church doesn't do it, God will raise up a generation. We can't sit around and say, I'm a son of the church. My, my, you know, I've been in the church of God for four. Every time I get to these preachers' meetings, they've got to put their credentials out. You go to church of God meetings and say, I've been a church of God member. I'm a fourth generation. I like to get up and say, I'm first generation. And the 15 generations before me were Catholics. God bless their souls. My daddy can get up and say, I'm a 15th generation, you know. But I'm a first generation. I just broke through. I just started something new by the power of God. Oh, Lord, raise. God said, I'll raise up a new generation. There'll be stones. But God said, Peter said, we are lively stones. You say, if you don't praise him, the stones will praise him. How many scriptures do we need to tell us that God is going to have a generation of praisers, but he might have to wipe the church out and raise up a whole new generation if the fathers don't start connecting to the sons? Oh, this is too deep. This is too deep. This, this is too deep for you. This is too deep. I know I'll save this for Wednesday night. They, they, they appreciate it. How many remembers Samson? Grew his hair out, lost his hair, and what is he doing? He's treading out 
the corn in the mill, and his eyes are plucked out. And he knows if I can just get to the pillars of this godless temple, I have, listen, listen, old people. I can say it because I'm old. Listen, if I can just get to the pillars of this paganism in our country, if I can just get to the pillars, I have the strength to knock this thing down. I just need a little boy. Oh, y'all aren't hearing me. I just need a little. So a little boy comes along, takes the old guy by the hand, and says, here's the pillar. Puts his hand on a pillar. Puts his hand on a pillar. Come on, young generation. You're the ones that are going to help us bring this thing down. It's Elijah. It's Elijah coming over the dead boy. And he says he put his body over him. He spread eagle and breathed his nostrils into the boy's nostrils three times. (laughs) Elijah, the older generation, breathing into the younger generation. Bring them back to life. Bring my grandchildren back to life. I don't know if you're not praying for me or you're praying too much for me. The widow, she said, I I have nothing left. All I have left are my sons, and I'm going to have to sell them into slavery in order to pay my bills. My God, the church has come to the place where we've sold out the younger generation so we can keep the money of the older generation. There's not a preacher in America bold enough to say that, but I just said it. How many know we need both generations? So Elijah provided for the woman and her three sons. Jesus comes into the city with his his entourage, and they're rejoicing and dancing and praising God. And as they come through the gates of a city called Nain, they come face to face with a funeral procession. And a woman has lost her only son. She has no husband. We're dealing with a church that has no husband. We've disconnected with the father. We've disconnected with our husband. And our son, the next generation, am I helping anybody? The next generation's dead. But Jesus came up to her and said, weep not. He said it before the child was raised. Oh, that's deep. That's too deep. Why should I stop crying? This generation's lost. Why should I? I'm just, I'm just, I just feel. It's, it's going to take more than feeling. We need to fight for them. We need to do whatever it takes to win them. Whatever it takes, church, whatever it If it means not singing your pet song, then if it means you don't get your way, Weep not, but watch this. And Jesus prays over the boy, and he wakes up. Hey, y'all, what's going on? Are we having a parade? How many know that funeral turned into a parade? God's going to turn our weeping into joy. God's going God's to take our prayers. Oh, God, save my grandchildren. God's going to take those prayers and turn them into rejoicing. My God. 
1 Corinthians 4.15. i got to hurry. 1 Corinthians 4.15. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you. I don't have time to preach this, but notice he said, I begot you. Now, I know, I know we're begotten through the Spirit. We understand that. But Paul's taking personal responsibility for that generation. I begot you. God used me, and you were, you were born through me. Oh, that's a powerful statement. Listen to this same scripture in the message. There are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong. But there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. (laughs) It was as Jesus helped me proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. Oh, Lord, 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 I got to hurry up. Listen, let me, let me close with number five. There, there's still life in those old bones. Is, is, is there a retired person near you? We just, just give them a high five, just, just high five them, and, and, and just say there's still, there's still life in, those old, in these old bones. Just, just high, high five, young person. There's still life in these old bones, brother. There's still life. Still. Joe, there's still life. There's still, yeah, there's still life. You're my age. Get out of here. Go find a young person. Do your own proclamation. Do you know where I'm going? 2 Kings 13. I'll quit. 2 Kings 13. Then Elisha died, and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land. And how, many know, how many know the devil's waiting for some people to get off the scene so he can invade our promise? He's just waiting for some of you to quit praying so he can start taking your family. Yeah. Next verse. So it was as they were burying a man, they were in a battle, and they, they had to bury this guy quick, that they, they spied a band of raiders, and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha because they were being attacked. And when the man was let down, he touched the, the dead man, touched the bones of Elisha. He revived. Come on, young generation. Listen, we fuss at the older people. Let me fuss at the younger people. There's still life in these old bones. Some of you just need a mentor. Some of you just need to touch these old bones. Because there's still life in this old generation. Ah, my God, hallelujah. We're just looking for someone who's willing to touch these old bones. And we'll pass on the anointing of God. Woo! Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I like this. Jesus sat on Jacob's well until a young woman came along, and he got her saved, and she got the whole city saved. Where was he? Just sitting on a well. Just sitting on a well. Oh, my God. Let me sit down. I'm just, I'm just sitting on a well. And if that younger generation will just wipe. Because listen, when our hearts are turned towards you. But you have to turn your hearts to us. And I'm not preaching this because we have a generational problem in this church. We're, we're, as far as number of households, we're evenly divided in the three age groups. Isn't that amazing? Not many churches can claim that. We're evenly divided. But I'm telling you, if we'll just start sharing the anointing that God has, there's no way the enemy could ever stop this church from being a great church in the last days, in the last hours. 
of this church. Prayer team, come up here. Let's dig the wells of revival.